Hey guys, welcome. Thanks for tuning in to National Fire Radio. This is kind of a different one this morning. Uh, I'm surrounded by a couple of uh, good friends that I've known for quite a long time. And Sid, we're uh, newly friends, yeah, but uh, friends. it's fantastic, man. Um, where we want to go this morning is very much this. You know, we, we sit in here with uh, a lot of senior men and we talk about the fire service and we try to capture some of their jobs and we talk about, um, you know, what they bring to the fire service and sharing their stories so that the next generation can... Um, really get an understanding of their, their kitchen table and front bumper type talk stories that through those stories they educate um, the firefighters. So you don't always have to stretch a line or throw a ladder to be able to educate. And, um, and so the storytelling um, a lot of times is some of the better training that we can get. Unfortunately, we're, we're losing that. And um, the stories aren't being told as much as they should be or have been. And so for us at National Fire Radio, another way to do that is uh, to have some roundtable discussions with some guys that uh, I respect and, uh, and friends that have been in the business for quite a while, and, uh, and we want to talk about a few things. So, good morning, and uh, Joe, can you give us, just, I just want to go around the table, facilitate conversation, I just want to go around the table and introduce yourselves, and then everybody can get a feeling of who everybody is, so that when we get into it, they have know the background and so on. So, Joe, you start? Uh, White Claw Fire Department, Assistant Chief. Fantastic, brother. <laughs> how many, like, how many, Joe, how many years you've been a fireman now? Uh, a little under 25. Okay, under 25. So I'm in the same spot, 24 years. So I get it. Um, officer, White Club is a proactive department. You guys are a progressive department. Um, and you're like me. I know that you came up through the department and, uh, and you're well respected. And I'm happy to have you. Thank you for joining us, Tommy. Uh, Mawa Fire Department Assistant Chief joined the fire service back in 96. Nice. So another guy with a bunch of years in. Yeah. Sid, you? Yeah, born '96. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Sid. Uh, you know, I uh, started in 2012 in uh, Stanford, Volley House, Connecticut. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, three years in uh, Bristol, Rhode Island, just okay. about 25 minutes south of Providence, and now I'm out in uh, Homestead, Pennsylvania. Homestead, and that's outside of Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's it's western, right on the west border of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pennsylvania is such a strong volunteer state. You know, it's like it really is. I mean, there's there's the career departments dotted around the state, but primarily, yeah, majority, especially out that way, is volunteer. Yeah, strong volunteers with a lot of company pride and a lot of department pride, and so on. No, you shaking um, your head. It, uh, I, I think that it's uh, from from one case to the next when okay. it comes to that. Yeah, um, I mean, it's an it's an area that I'm sure like everybody else is. You know has its, uh, its struggles on the volunteer side. Well, and, and that's a, the perfect leading because that's why we're here this morning, right? So partly what we do here when we talk about culture and tradition and capturing the stories of the senior men is I get a lot of response back from guys all over the country that um, listen to our content and they're, they have mixed emotions about the fire service, younger kids that are having a hard time with senior men that won't listen or have an open mind, and then we have the other end, the senior guys that are complaining about this newer generation, right? And so there seems to be this like disconnect, and what I really want to do today with you guys sitting around the table this morning over coffee is really just talk about the current state of affairs maybe in the volunteer fire service and talk about um, officer and leadership positions and kind of mentoring and, uh, and so on, because I can share some personal stories. I know myself, I mean, I'm 24 years in, and I'll, I'll break the ice this way with you guys, is you know, 24 years in, in the volunteer fire service, and I have an incredible passion for it. But outside of National Fire Radio, I run my own business. And I have a lot of other obligations, family and so on. So I know that my time has become more limited in the firehouse. 
And I know that when we have a call, like the other night, drove on a run, got back, put the rig away, cleaned the rig off like we're supposed to do. We do everything we're supposed to do. Years ago, I used to sit on the front bumper and bullshit for the next 20 minutes, half hour, right? Now I'm finding myself running out the door. Like, guys, thanks. Good seeing you guys. I'll see you at the next one and run out the door. And for me, that becomes challenging because I know I'm doing it and it pisses me off. But I, it's that balance, right? It's that fine balance. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, experiences, thoughts on that? Tommy, yeah, no, you shaking your head? I, I agree. This, you know, I feel the same way. Mm. You know, you, you, you come, you do what you can, you take off, and you wish you could stay another hour or two. I know. I know. And it's, you know, and I look at, like, I look at these younger faces, right? And the, the impressionable guys, right? And, and I think about, like, I still consider myself a young guy. Like, I'm 42. I still consider myself a young. I feel like I'm 25, except for the next morning, you know? And then I wake up, and, like, Sunday morning, like, this morning, man, I didn't want to get out of bed. But here's the deal, right? Like, we have a responsibility, and it's hard in the fire service, especially in the volunteer fire service, where we're not there 24 hours a day, right? We're not assigned to be there at a certain time and so on. It's hard to draw that line and say that we need to spend that extra time instilling some of those stories and values into our younger guys. And I think what happens is we get some resentment or pushback from the younger guys. And I think that could be part of the disconnect. Sid, maybe you could hit on that. I mean, you're one of those younger guys. Well, I mean, um, having, having gotten the pleasure to move states to move houses. Um, I've been places there that had a, you know, that strong culture. They had a, a lot of guys that wanted to be mentors. They had a lot of guys that, you know, uh, they want to spend time. Cause like you were saying, I mean, you know, your, your time is capitalized and everybody has a life and everybody has a family and a job and so on. And, uh, I feel like you can still see it in guys that even are busy, even guys that, that run out of the door, you can kind of tell, you know, who's, who's in it and who's, you know, into it. Yeah. Um, like that, that expression goes. So, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that whole running out of the door thing, I, I get it, especially in departments where, you know, people don't really hang out, um, where I'm right now, you know, our, our station's kind of like a big airplane hangar. We had a nice old municipal building, you know, a lot of history, poles, you know, old uh, circular staircases. And right now, you know, not a great day room, you know, not a not a really right. warm feeling. So, I mean, I, I get that to an extent, but... Um, I mean, I think running out is just the, kind of the metaphor for the bigger, yeah. the bigger situation, right? Like, you know, I look at departments, different departments uh, aren't doing the traditional things that we used to do. Right? I mean, you guys made some changes, Joe, right? I mean, yeah. it's because our responsibilities of running calls and public safety and the real reason why we're there is becoming greater and greater, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you don't have the call, call volumes, I mean, doubled since we started. Right. You know, I mean, when our parents started, you know, because both of our parents were firemen. Right. Um, you know, they were running less than 100 calls a year. Right. Firehouse was a social place to come and, and, and hang out and bring your wives or bring your children and it was some it was something to do. Right. Now, you know, who gets out of work at four thirty except for me and Tommy? Right. You know? I mean everybody else is working until six, seven o'clock at night. <clears throat> you know, nannies are watching the kid. I mean, the time the family time is limited. Right. And to try to get these these younger families to join the fire service, I think is hard. I mean, the junior so, program for us has been awesome. I mean, we thrive on the junior program. Is it more family than outsiders? 
on a junior program? It started off initially family because of our bylaws. Right. Um, but we are expanding that out now. Right. Friends of friends are starting to come in. Um, you can get them through high school. They get to go through the fire service program. But then after that, you know, they go to college. So, Some stick uh, around. Yeah. You know, we are blessed to have put a lot into the paid service. Yeah. You know, we've had a lot that, that promote on and get the, you know, play Same the major league. Getting... That's a huge feather in <laughs> our cap for our, for our organizations is how many guys we get. But then we lose those guys. Right. You know, some, some of the cities they join allow them to then move out of the city and, and, you know, take on their own residencies. But a lot of the departments require them to maintain residency in it. So right. then you lose them forever. I got three guys leaving in the next 60 days. Yeah. Three guys. And I don't, in my department, I can't afford to right. lose three guys. Right. And we're losing three guys. And there's not that next class or fill-in guys to come up the line. You know, typically you have your generational, you know, Every five years, you get that another five, six, seven guys that are going up the ranks together, right? I'm not saying that anymore. We don't have it. It's everywhere. I, I agree. I, I agree. And I, I mean, what, I, what we're trying to do here today is really not solve this. It's not, we're not going to be able to solve it. What I, what I want to do, though, is explain to the people that listen and so on is that everybody's going through the same stuff. Right. I mean, it's, it, you know, we have to be able to find that fine balance between providing a service that the, customer, that the end user expects and then trying to maintain our own integrity and company pride. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, try not to go into divorce and lose your kids, right? I mean, like, right. It, I mean, really, I mean, that's, it, you know, the grandiose thing. I mean, my wife, I, I, you know, you guys, you guys know my wife. I mean, she's a saint. She deals with me. She deals with me going to the firehouse still. She deals with me in my job. She deals with me in National Fire Radio. Like, without her, I wouldn't be able to do it. And my kids get it. And I grew up, and Joe, I know you did very much, that I grew, my kids grew up in firehouse. And so they know that my life, my friend circle, it all revolves around the firehouse. Yep. Right. You know, and I think that's important because that instills some of those values, right? The civic pride, the um, the ownership of it to take responsibility and to, um, you know, I, I think it's incredibly fulfilling. And I think it's pretty wild that, you know, my kids walk in the firehouse and every single guy knows their names and they know every guy. And it's just it's really cool, yep. you know? How do we instill that, and how do we make sure that that keeps going? That's the question, right? So, I mean, Joe, we were, we were talking. I mean, you guys, you're called volumes up. You know, some things are, you know, your junior service works pretty well, and junior firefighting's been around for a long time. Yeah. And um, for you guys, I mean, you, I think you guys were later to the to the game on that, if you will. Right, yeah, because when I joined, they didn't let me join until I was out of college. Right. Know, until you could dedicate the time to go to fire school, you know, it wasn't encouraged to join the fire service. That's wild. Think yeah. about that, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that was you know twenty something years ago. Yeah. Now, in the last ten, we've empowered the junior program, and and it's been cool because a lot of the dads get to you know bring their kids up, and you know we got a lot of family stuff going on, and yeah, you know my son will probably join my last year's chief. Nice. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I think it's great. The family lineage is fantastic. Um, Sid, do you have? Is there lineage by you? No, I'm no. Uh, I'm 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 completely. I uh, came into it green at sixteen. I uh, binge watched Rescue Me, and I lived like uh, I, I was I was working at a gas station that was uh, sort of on the corner by the firehouse in Stanford, and uh, I had seen it on TV and thought, you know, uh, there yeah, there's there's something cool to do, and and uh, I think. 
like you guys hit on, whether it's a junior program or training or, you know, even, even having guys around to just, uh, you know, to just shop talk with a lot of it is involvement. Cause like you said, you know, you, uh, when, when you get bit by this, like it becomes your lifestyle and it becomes part of your identity. And it's hard if your lifestyle is like sitting in an empty firehouse by yourself, you know, hours on end. So really in, in my opinion, anything that gets people doing anything, anything other than sitting around is, is, you know, an improvement. Cause you know, I, I hear it, uh, I hear it from, from a lot of friends of mine, oh, you know, I'd come down and hang out, but, you know, nobody's down there, and it's not like we're running 2,000 calls a year, and, you know, you, you, you go down to the firehouse, and nobody's there, and you sit there for six hours, and the day after, you know, you start to think twice about, like, well, you know, I'll stay home, and if there's a call, then I'll go in, and so, you know, we just uh, we just took a new uh, delivery of a new engine, and one of my favorite things about it is that the, the rear bumper is enormous, and it has nothing for me to do with the the fire tactic side of it, it's that I noticed that guys hang out more down in the bay now that they have someplace to sit. I love that. Because I noticed that, that like on the front <clears throat> bumper, you can only really sit, you know, two guys. And if you don't have a wealth of like station rolly chairs. So it's, it's nice because, you know, it keeps guys from going up to the recliner and kind of isolating and, you know, but really anything, anything to get involved with. You know, I love that. Yeah. You just like I'm a you know an apparatus nerd and we, we do all that apparatus stuff, so I'm gonna have to hit on that one when we come out by you. Yeah, we'll, not we'll talk about that. I think I, I think that makes a good point. And you hit on something too that just kinda popped in my head, Tommy, you might be able to relate to this, is that um, I find that, you know, because my time is not what it used to be in the firehouse and, and I beat myself up over that, right? But it's it is life, right? I do find, though, that when a guy like myself that has the years in the firehouse and, um, you know, kind of is like on that, uh, that echelon of guys like the younger kids look up to and they, you know, they talk to you and so on. And I'm in that position, right? What's, what's fun for me, though, is when I do promote something or I do say like, hey, guys, let's have, anybody want to hang out? Like, you know, you want to you grab a beer or, you know, you want to, you know, just a brotherhood type thing or whatever, you'll, you'll guys will find time to do it, I think. Right, Joe? Right, Tommy? Oh, de- like, definitely. I mean, I can see you being very much the same way, too. Definitely. Like, hey, I don't have all this time in the world, but the time that I do have, if I can make it valuable, and I, I think for myself, like, that's pretty cool. Like, I have, I'm doing uh, tomorrow night for our firehouse, I'm doing a brotherhood dinner. And I started this um, four or five years ago. We did, did you get invite? No. I didn't get my invite. No, this, is, no, invite? this is a closed party. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't invite the riffraff from the outside. Wow. And this is... No, but what the, what it is here? So here's the deal. I'll explain. I'm a little jealous. So well, then come. You know what? Come. Um, open invite. I'll put it out there. <laughs> National Fire. Anybody wants to come to this thing tomorrow night? It's in Wyckoff, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so listen. So here's the thing, right? So years ago, um, my firehouse were were one department, two stations, one department, right? So we're not separate companies. We're just two stations, right? Because of the makeup of the town and the distance. And so headquarters has everything going on. I'm in the, you know, the substation across town, right, if you will. Right, nice firehouse, don't get me wrong. But it was always, it was always built, when it was built in the 60s or 70s, I think it was like late 60s, early 70s when it was built, all the senior guys always just called it the garage. It's just the garage. We're just putting trucks over there. Firehouse is over here. We're just putting trucks over there, right? So we joke about it. You know, it's the garage every once in a while. The guys that have been around for, you know, a couple of years, they, we joke about it being a garage. You know, it's just, just a garage, guys, you know? So a couple of years ago, they were doing a Christmas party at headquarters every year, and I said, I said we never have people at our firehouse ever. 
So let's do a, like after a Christmas party here. So in January, we always threw a, like a January dinner on drill night. Instead of training that night, guys come to the firehouse, we do equipment checks, and then we, you know, go in and have chow, and we sit around a bunch of long tables. We all eat together, serve it at one time. Everybody eats together. And then I would get up and talk about different things about the department. And we talk about a lot of history things. We talk about memorable fires, kind of like what we do here at National Fire Radio, right? And so this kind of just has progressed, and it went from January. Then then it was like, you know, guys didn't have time in January, so we pushed it. Then it was like St. Patrick's Day. So it was the Monday after St. Patrick's Day. We would have corned beef and cabbage, and all the guys would come and hang out at the firehouse. So, so tomorrow night, we, now it's in April, April 1st. We pushed it back to April. So tomorrow night, we're, we're doing at the, this at the firehouse. But what's exciting for me is that we'll get a good turnout because I'm pushing it. And, and that's kind of my point, right? Like, I think, like, guys like yourselves with, with, that, is, that are respected in the firehouse and have spent a lot of time there, when, when we can get behind something and promote it, I think it does wonders. Definitely. You get a good turnout. The younger guys that look up to you, they'll come out. Yeah. The older guys will come out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a fun time for everybody. It's, it's the glue, right? Because, like, every firehouse needs that glue, right? You need a couple of those guys that... You know, and I know who your guys are that like can that get the older guys and younger guys, and they're the glue in the middle that makes it work, right? You have those guys that can network between the older guys and the younger guys, and then the volunteer firehouse. I mean, that's that's what you need. You know, it, it's funny because we talk about <clears throat> we talk about how age doesn't play a difference in the firehouse, in the volunteer fire service, right? It doesn't. If you're 70 years old or 16 years old, we treat everybody the same, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think is pretty interesting. And, and I've hit on that before, just like my wife's friends, like outside of the firehouse. They're like, how do, you, how do you have friends that are, you know, 65 and 70 years old, and then you're talking to an 18-year-old kid like he's your, you know, best friend? Okay. I go, because that's what we do. Like, there's no age, age plays no distinction, you know? So, <clears throat> I don't know. So, back on track a little bit, but I think, it, you know, so I want to talk about... Um, kind of segue just into like young officer roles. I think what's, you know, in what's plaguing, not plaguing, but a situation in the fire service now more than ever is we're putting guys in the line probably too early because we don't have the guys to fill the positions, right? I know my department right now, there's talk on the floor of lowering our standards so we can get somebody into a position. We're going through the same thing. Can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Not that, like, I, I don't need to know your dirty laundry, but, like, just the, the whole concept of that, because I know where I stand on it. Right. And it, my mind was like, Pff. I was like, what? Like, no, wait I, a minute. I agree. I'm <clears throat> I'm big into training. Yeah. You know, I always, you know, I do what I can. I go to whatever training I can, and I'm for it. And But it's harder, because the requirements are harder, the training sessions are longer, and to keep up with everything is impossible. And the trade, I mean, you do that, you don't have the guys going back to the, the time commitments. Right. You don't have it. You lose it. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? You know, I think that the, the state has, has implemented a lot of good requirements, but it makes it harder for the older members to keep up on those requirements. And think about the chiefs that we've had in the past. <coughs> they couldn't run for chief again this year. Yeah. You know, chiefs that were out 10 years ago. They don't meet the state requirements to run for chief. They have to go back for hours and hours of incident command classes and, and additional training. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, so the younger guys, they're able to go for all the training, you know, empower them, encourage them, support them, send them, 
And then, you know, you look at who's eligible to run. They're the only ones that are eligible to run. Because the senior guys haven't kept up on their training. Now, is that our problem? You know, is that our fault that, you know, we haven't kept on kept up on that? Or is it, you know, the young guys that are eager and have the time and, you know. Well, they, like you said about the wife, I mean, it's, it all comes down to your support group. I mean, I am blessed with, with an awesome wife and, yeah. and a great family and, mm-hmm. and a great support team. But not everybody has that. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, that, I makes it, that makes it even harder. I couldn't even tell, I can't even tell you, though. Not a proud thing to say, but like, other than company training and in-house training, I can't tell you the last time I went back to the academy for right. furthering my education. Right, unless it was on your drill, mate. Right, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I've never, I haven't pursued anything further than, I probably haven't been back to the academy for a class other than like mandatory or, or right. company training. Right. I couldn't tell you. I would love to go back and finish out a couple different things that I started. It's just not on the cards. Okay. It's not, and I, Joe. I think you bring up a good point, though, because do you think that because of because of that is that discouraging some of the older guys to maybe get back involved? Like Tommy, you're a re, you're retreading. I retreaded for a while. I was chief at a young age, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. And then we were hurting for guys, and they said, "Would you be willing to run for captain of the house again at my house?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll do it," but I didn't have the time to do the job, right. so I didn't do it right. I didn't do it well. So like even if even if you get a guy like me to take that position, should I even be in the like I'm not doing the other end. If it's firematic, no problem, right? right? Not a problem. But the other stuff on the fire like in the firehouse and the leadership position and like if if you don't have the time to do it and you're putting that guy into that position to fill the spot, what are we doing? We're promoting a culture of like, you know, piss poor attitude, not enough time, we're we're showing the new generation that it's okay to do the job half-assed. Like, that's what... And I have a hard time with that. That's why I stepped down. That's why I stepped down being a captain because I was like, I, I don't have the time. Right. And I felt like I was just putting on a bad, bad, like, ownership of it. I just wasn't doing a job well enough, you know? But... So, I, so the young officers, right? So, Joe, you had a good point. And I, I think that I haven't really heard that talked about before on the, the senior guys having to continue their education and, you know, where ICS has come and, and all this other stuff that now required of us in the state of New Jersey to be officers and so on. Yeah, guys with 10 years ago probably can't do it without going back and, and furthering their education on the more administrative stuff. I mean, it's tactical decision-making on the command side, but we all know a lot of those command classes are a lot of just formalizing what we've all been doing for years and years, and it's, you know... And so on. So, you know, I think that's an interesting conversation. The other thing, too, and you, you hit on it, Joe, is just the younger guys, um, they have that drive and desire. And I think you, you said promote and educate and, and support those younger guys to get those positions done. But I think what comes with that, though, and, and maybe we could sit, maybe we could talk about it a little bit since you're in that position, right, is that um, as a younger officer, um, do you see, and I'm sure you see it with other younger guys too, I see it so often that like sometimes that, you know, you work hard for that position, you do that training, you get that seat, you get that position, and you're ready to go, and you're excited, and then twofold. One, do you get discouraged because there's a lot of pushback or not the excitement that you think is behind the job because people aren't there to support you, right, or be there for you to lead, and then two, 
do you find that some guys take it too far and that they, you know, once they get that helmet and that shield, they think, you know, like, here I am, you know? I mean, let's, let's talk about that one first. I mean, I, I think that's an interesting conversation. We've all seen it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have had, uh, I've had the opportunity where I had some, uh, some younger officers above me in the past where, you know, it was really great because they're, uh, you know, energetic and they're in the flow with kind of the, the newer, uh, you know, the newer way of doing things. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about those considerations because, you know, coming up, it was like, you know, when, when I, when I went through fire one, we had to take ICS 100, 200, 700, just for, for fire one. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think definitely there are, uh, there are people that, um, want those positions for the for the clout of it yeah um but but i don't know i mean i think uh i i think that officership good officership is good officership through and through whether it's for a good reason a bad reason i mean you know i i know that uh i i, I always kind of chuckle when i hear people say like oh well you know why are you in the fire service and people's answer is oh because you know i like helping people and it's like yeah, it's nice to help people. It's a good thing to help people, but you know, there's there's always other reasons. You know, you like this, you like that, you like the excitement, you like the rush, whatever it is. I don't, Hell yeah. I, but, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but You're I don't, right. I I don't I don't really care if you if you work hard and you know what you're doing. I I I don't I don't care why you're there. Even if you're you know one of those guys, it's like I just want the 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 t-shirt and the namesake. Well, okay, if you know if you're gonna put in for it, then it doesn't bother me. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of guys that do it because, you know, they want, they want to write captain above right. their name on their, right. on their, you know, station jacket. But, um, I don't think that it should matter why I think it should matter, you know, what, because like they say, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So you can, you know, you can set out wanting to be, you know, great officer for the guys, blah, 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 and do a shit job. And I'm sorry, you can, you know, want to be, you can want to be an officer because you want a white helmet, a red helmet, whatever color you wear. And, you know, you end up being great at it because, because you do the right things in the right moments. Right. That's and, point. That's very important. You know, I think that that's outside age, outside experience. I think that, you know, that's just, uh, that's just, you know, human leadership. I, I, you hit on a bunch of great things there, and I, I agree with you 100%. Like, leadership is um, it's lacking, in, in lack of a better word. But, you know, and why do you think it's lacking? I don't know. I, I, think, I think it's... Go ahead. You got follow-up to that, or go ahead? Well, I think one of the things that, that, that we miss in the fire service is teaching leaders to be leaders. Beautiful. Go. You know, we, we, we have the fire school training. We teach you how to put the wet stuff on the red stuff. We teach you how to vent the roof. We teach you how to get people out of cars. But we teach you how to talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, you look at the age. You know, unless we're going to text each other or email each other, these young kids don't know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. And why is that? You know, some of it, we empower them to do it. Because now we text them instead of calling them. I mean, it drives me nuts. You know, like, why are we texting when we can make a, pick up the phone and make a phone call? You know, or just have a, have a, have a conversation in, in person. But instead, we'll text, we'll, you know, do the group me stuff, the WhatsApp, and then we just, we, we throw it out there and we expect that it's going to happen and there's no follow-up. Right. You know, oh, we got a, we got a detail tonight. 
We got a fireworks detail. We're going to mall or whatever. All right, you know, I need to get a crew. Well, uh, Chief, I, I sent it out in the group. Nobody responded. Well, did you pick up the phone? Did, did you make some phone calls? Because I bet you I can get five guys. Right. Now, maybe it's because they want to do it for me. But pick up the phone. Like, like have a conversation. Are you promoting it after the fire calls? Yeah, if, if you pick up the phone and do that, you'll it's get amazing ten guys. Having, you right. on, the, on the text, you'll get nobody. Right. I mean, it's easy to hide. I love this. God, keep it's going, so Joe. I, this is uh, fantastic. Because you're absolutely right. And it, but it's not... But we don't teach them how to communicate. I think we, I think we lack that because ninety percent of the job, especially when you get higher up in the officer positions, is all personalities. Correct. Mm -hmm. One day you're a divorce lawyer, the next day you're, you know, a counselor. You know, your support team. You're teaching a kid how to do his math homework. I mean, fighting fires, at least for a lot of us, is is not our bread and butter. I mean, it's it's personalities. It's dealing with with stuff in the firehouse. Oh, he called me. Get over it. Right. Get over it. You yeah. know, we're called about. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't, you know, like, why am I, why do I have to deal with, with you not getting along with you? You know, like, if you not, if you don't like them, tell me you don't like them. Right. Figure it out. Yeah, we're men. Right. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, you don't have to go to fisticuffs, but, but work it out. Or, or just avoid each other. Yeah. You know, if you don't like them, just don't, don't say hi to them. Well, just, then, just stay then, away from them. Then the guys just don't show up at all, because, yeah. you know. That's part of it, too, right? Yeah. I, you just but we lack communication in the fire service, and 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 we don't teach leadership, right? Now you go to corporate world and business. I mean, you're you're taking these classes. They're sending to these goofy things where they put you in groups of six and make you do projects together for team building. We don't do that in the fire service. We just don't. Oh, I haven't found it yet. And I look. I I'm with brother. I'm, this is fantastic because we're going down an avenue that I'm I'm so happy we opened up here. I mean, you're absolutely right. And leadership is. We, we kind of take the fact that it's inherent that we can just all step into those positions when right. when we feel we're ready. And you're right, you know, making those, making those uh, decisions, whether gut decision or based on experience on the fire ground is one thing, right? Experience leads to leadership on the fire ground being able to make this, the correct decisions, if you will. But you're right, that's not our everyday. The everyday is salesmanship 101, right? It's talking to people. Right. It's brokering relationships. It's encouraging, right? I mean, that's fair. So what do we do? What, what do we, we uh, the Joe Vanderplatt the School of Management? I mean, like, I like this. <laughs> maybe National Fire Radio, Joe. We might have to roll out a management class or something. But this is, I mean, but you, I think you, I think you hit on something that's, um, I've never really heard it put that way before. So thank you. That, um, that was cool. I dig that. I mean, what do you? What do you think? Like, yeah, I, I get it. And then, Tommy, you like a lot of guys are afraid of conflict. Right. If I know you're at the firehouse, I'm not coming around because I don't like you and I don't want to, you know. And then you don't see somebody for two years. And it's and, and sometimes well, it's not even the conflict. It's just some people are inapproachable. We know those people. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> There's some people I mean, that just come up with broad shoulders and, sure. are, and are inapproachable. Right. And, and it's nothing wrong about him. Right. But sometimes we got to, especially when you're put into an officer position, you need to learn how to deal with those type of people. Right. Sometimes the hardest thing is just starting a conversation. Right. You know, you do something wrong at home or, you know, your parents yell at you. Sometimes the hardest part is just starting a conversation. Once the conversation started, next thing you know, right. we're joking, we're laughing, we're getting over it. And it's, and it's behind us. Yeah. But if we don't have the conversation, it never gets out there. You know, like the junior officers, you know, you see them come into the firehouse and we're the old guys. I say old guys, guys that are older than the officers. Right. They're hanging out in the kitchen, they're hanging out at the bar, the beverage center, whatever you call it. You know, they're chit-chatting in the radio room. Who's doing the truck checks? Well, yep. why aren't they? 
Right. The junior officer would walk up to one of those senior guys and say, hey, you know what, I could really use your hand. Right. And, and, and maybe provide me a little bit of, you know, leadership because people will follow you. Get out there on the floor and just help me. They'll probably do it. Yep. But because they're never asked, then they, you know, they start these bad habits. And then we empower the bad habits. And the next thing you know, the young kids are hanging out with the old guys because they want to hear the stories. Well, you know, you can tell the stories out on the engine room floor. While you're doing truck checks. Yeah, right. I, Joe, you're, this is why you're here today, brother. I mean, I know, no, because like this is, I'm, you're, it's exciting for me to hear you say these things because this is happening. You know, we, we, make, we make fun of the lawn shepherds. Well, why are they lawn shepherds? They're lawn shepherds because they're maybe not a type A attitude. Right. But they're look they want God. They want to help. They want to do stuff. They just want somebody to ask them what to do. So is it, you know, we're making fun of the lawn shepherd, but instead, who actually went up to them and said, hey, you know what? You got the six-foot hook. You look really good, but I could really use you inside. Why right. don't you come inside with me? Right. And 99% of them will go inside. It's funny because people people get um, threatened, and I, I know just coming up through the fire service, there were towns in our mutual aid that when they arrived, they went right to work because they know their job and they're confident in their skills and they're confident in their abilities. That's the other one, that you, Tom? And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> but go with me, right? You know what I'm talking about because here's the thing, right? Departments that aren't confident in their own abilities and skills, right, or their management feel that those towns are the ones that are coming in and taking over. When in fact they're arriving and doing their job from the get-go because that's what they're supposed to be doing. And so people are threatened, people just in life get threatened by of their own insecurities. And so if you have people that are coming in and working harder or doing a better job because they're you know better versed or better trained or they have a culture that gets it, then you are going to feel threatened. And then that's going to create that animosity also, right. right? And I think it goes back to what you were saying too, Tommy. And it's funny. I joined the fire service because I love the fire service. Like I just love everything about it. And we do have these issues within that we try to fix or address and so on. But when we don't address them, guys disappear. Right. I could never disappear from the firehouse. No. Like I don't. For me, inherently, like I just I love, I love the the craft more than the not like the nonsense pushing me away. Right. I mean, I've had my bluffs with guys, but I'm also an A-type personality where I, I'll address it right. up front. So when guys disappear, what like it blows my mind, right? I mean, I, but does anybody ever go after? Does anybody ever go after those guys? Yeah, I mean, I have and on occasion. Sometimes we, we don't. And then right. we lose. Oh, I agree. Most times we don't. Yeah. Where it could be fixed by a simple conversation, like you said. But in fact, we don't. I've been like my. I've seen departments where they make SOG changes and bylaw changes because of one guy doing one thing instead of addressing the one guy right. and his right. problem. We'll change the whole way we do something because we're afraid to address one guy. Yeah, no, you can't do that. Excuse my language. It's fucking insane. Like, think about it. That's insanity. But that's how far we go at times because we don't like conflict. You know, I mean, and, and every firehouse has those cancers and every firehouse. And when I say cancers, I'm talking about the people that love to just bring down the firehouse, love to bring down the people. And we have that, whether it's a career or volunteer, there's always those cancerous people that it just spreads. You know, they can get in, they're the niche, you know, the niche, they, they just get in there and they, they get people to turn on their own company, you know, companies and organizations. And, you know, I, you know, one of, some of the proudest things that I did when I was an officer was I got rid of the cancers. Right. I got rid of them. 
because they are exactly that, and they got to go. And um, and then I think you need to educate the new members when they come in, and and we hit on this in our in our meetings with the with the new membership is you got to create your own opinions of people. You know, if you listen that you know just because you don't like you know Jeremy or whatever doesn't mean that I don't have to like him. Right. You know, create your own opinions. Give everybody a chance. And, and I think sometimes these young kids are like sponges and they want to hang out with the cool kids. But just because the cool kids doesn't like, you know, one of the other guys, then you know, they're not liking them. And, and it's like, you know, you got to come up with your own opinions. Everybody, everybody deserves a chance at least once. You know? Agreed. Absolutely. I agree. I absolutely agree. So, so, God, so many things right here. So the management, communication. Let's talk about communication. What are we, how do we... And how do we do it well? Like, or what don't we do well? I mean, Joe, you kind of hit on it. We don't communicate verbally well anymore. I don't think we do. And I think, you know, I think that, I think part of the volunteer fire service is where we are often our own worst enemy. Right? We kind of, we kind of, we're creating a culture of, I think the fire service works best when it's the old school, roll up your sleeves, get dirty and work hard. And when we have fires and guys are training, we're doing fires, things are good. Things go well. Right? All the other nonsense gets put to the back burner. Right? But then we get a little slow period, and that's when guys, things start to pop up here and there. Right? I mean, I, I just think that that is typically how the volunteer fire service works. And I, it's probably the same in a career house, too. Only assuming I'm not a career fireman. If Rob was here, he could probably hit on it. But my, my point is this, is that how do we, going forward, like when we talk about communication, how do we, Joe, maybe some ideas, do we do... You mentioned a new membership meeting. Do you have a new membership meeting? Like when you bring in new members? When a new member joins, we, we sit down. Specifically the juniors. And even the new members, we at least sit down with them. The juniors, we, we sit down go over all the bylaws right. with their parents. Lay everything out right up front. Expectations. Expectations. Right. You know, Requirements. Go over, all go over everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're the most impressionable. And we really lay down you know, the groundwork. We support the parents. We support school. You know, if a parent wants it, wants you know their son suspended because they're slacking off or, or mouthing off at the dinner table, Done. you know we support the parents one hundred percent. I think doing that too, you are set laying the groundwork up front of the expectations of that kid, and so that they know going into it what's expected of them, which right. is hugely important. Right. I think a lot of times we don't talk about that. Right. Yeah. What about you, Tommy? You guys do anything for new we, members? We used to. You, yeah. you used to sit down. You yeah. got you got to pack it like you said with the bylaws. I'm with you. Do everything. Um, last department I was with in Orangeburg, you were assigned the training officer. We're starting to get back into that again in Mawa. We're going to start making our packets, hand it out. Yeah. Maybe, you know, we'll be assigned together as you, you know, for your first year or six months or, you know, if you have questions, whatever it may be. Yeah. But we're, we're looking to get that rolling again and. And at least empower the new member with a sponsor. Somebody to go to. You have a question, you know, somebody does something. Don't ever hesitate to go to your sponsor, go to an officer and like ask a question. You know, is that right? Were we really supposed to do that? Right. You know, we're, we're all about, you know, sit down and shut up and, and don't be seen. But I don't know if that's necessarily the right answer either. You know, they, they should definitely, you know, observe. But if they have questions, I mean, I, I thought that the, the thing you had your guys the other day, you know, having the young guys teach. Yeah. You know, the guys come through fire school and I had it. We, we did a drill and I was watching one of my you know, junior or one of my officers, you know, going over fog bed. And I'm like, something's not right. And I grabbed two of the, two of the, 
juniors that just went to a fire school. I'm like, why don't you show us how to do fog, man? And it was completely different. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But you know what? It's fresh in their heads. Yeah. Have them teach us. Yeah. You know, teach us the new ways. Teach, you know, bring up some of the new tactics. Which I think is cool, too, because you're empowering these young well, kids that's what and, and putting them on the bigger right. stage in front of mm-hmm. their comrades, if you will, and say, hey, guys, man, like we believe in you and trust in you enough to put you here now, so show us, right. you know? Sid, what do you guys do? Like, new membership or mentorships? I, or I, I have been in, uh, in, in a couple of variable situations when it comes to that. I've been in departments where I've, I have never seen a copy of the bylaws. I have never seen a copy of the SOPs. And, you know, I mean, I, I absolutely agree that, you know, giving people a structure and an expectation and, and explaining things is really the, the way to go. Because, I mean, I... Even personally, you know, it's it's difficult when, uh, you know, you, you go into a meeting room and you sit down in a seat and you only get told afterwards, like, hey, you, you know, you can't sit there. Hey, you're supposed to stand over here. And it's like, well, you know, if you're going to... And, and I get that sometimes you got to, you know, set somebody up and let them make their own mistakes. But, you know, I've, I've seen people come through the door in places and maybe the reason that they they leave and go away is because it wasn't explained, you know, hey, just go go talk it out or, hey, you know... There, there are there are certain expectations. There is a certain attitude. Um, you know, I, I was I was lucky that coming up there were guys around that you know I consider squared away. They say, hey, you know, you go and you you go to another guy's house and you bring donuts, you bring cannolis, you bring something. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go empty-handed. But a lot of a lot and of people are not. That, yeah, no, not that I need um, that. No, no, no. <laughs> gesture is amazing. My um, kids will love them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I have a you know I have a. a Proby right now who's as green as it gets and yeah. you know but he's he's super into it and super excited for it but you know a lot of times I see that you know someone will say hey go go you know go clean the bathroom and he hasn't been explained that like this is your position and this is your your you know ticket to ride this is how you get into it to him it feels like oh you know like if I was gonna Get told to do chores, like I'll stay home at that point. You know what I mean? Take it to ride. I like Um, that a lot. But that's the thing is that, you know, I I grew up with people who told me from the get-go, like, you better have thick skin, you better pay your way, no one's going to give you anything, you know, you want something, you have to go and get it. But I've also been places where you come through the door and, you know, you get a... You get a pumpkin patch shield and you get stuck on the back of the truck and then people are yelling at you that like, oh, well, you know, you don't know how this works. You don't know where that is. And it's like, but it all goes back to communication and the personalities between the guys. And yeah, you know, maybe if you were assigned a mentor, like I was when I first joined at 16 and I'm still the same way. If I'm around, I'm there. Call, drill, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. But now you, you don't do that. Guys join and guys expect everybody to know what their role is, yeah. and if you're not explaining that role, if you're not given any information. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I find myself sometimes short with guys, and then, I, and then I do this, like, system analysis in my brain after I say something, I'm like, like, I should have taken an extra 30 seconds and said to this kid, like, hold on, slow down, like, but instead you, like, snap, you know, you're like, hey, you know, like, what the, like, you know, we're all guilty of it. Right. right. And and what I've been trying to do, and, and I'll be honest, in the last year with this whole National Fire Radio platform, the promotion of brotherhood and culture that we talk about in the tradition um, really has stepped up. I, I try to step up my personal game in the firehouse because 
I'm a firm believer that every piece of content we put out and everything we do that represents our brand, National Fire Radio, my actions have to speak to that. And I was kind of talking to Sid about that before you guys got here this morning and just talking about a couple different things. And, you know, I'm, you know, call it what you want. We're, we're kind of, uh, people are watching us and mm -hmm. they see us. And so my game has to be authentic. And, and I'm the first guy to say, like, I'm not doing the best at this. I just don't have the time to do what I used to do or whatever. But when I am at the firehouse, I'm trying to do and put in more value than I've ever put in before in the things that I can do and the time that I do have there. And so I am finding myself, you know, trying to take that extra few minutes and have that conversation or, you know, pat the guy in the back and tell me he did a great job on that fire or whatever, you know, just a little more than what I probably used to do, um, which I think just comes with age and experience too. And that's kind of what I wanted to maybe segue into a little bit. Um, just a little bit backstory on me. I became chief of my department at 27 years old. And I was assistant chief from 24 to 26. And then, so I was assistant chief for three years at 24 to 26 years old. And then at 27, I became chief. I had a baby. I didn't, my wife did. And then, uh, what you call it? And then, uh, and then she was pregnant again because I'm, what can I tell you? So my, my two youngest are 14 months apart. And so, you know, for me, um, I stepped down after one year as chief. I had another two years to go. I would have been chief from 27 to 29, and I stepped down. And it's funny. Um, so when I was a chief at that age, an assistant chief, totally different demeanor than I am now. Um, I was a lot more opinionated, spoke my mind a lot. Um, a lot of guys didn't care for me, thought I was pushy and, you know, bully or whatever. Could have been, you know. But I also have the a type personality that it's my way unless you could tell me you could do it better and show me like prove to me that your way is better i'm in like if you can prove to me your way is better do it but until then it's my way right that's just who i am and i'm still very much that way but i will listen more than i ever did but it was funny because this has always stuck with me when i retreaded a couple of years later i took a couple of years off and then they asked me to come back in and be a captain and uh, and so i did and i sat down at the first officers meeting and it was this talking around a table. And I don't know how your officers' meetings goes, but, like, for some reason in my department, they're, like, five-hour meetings. And I just, they blow my, like, they go for hours. And we always just go in circles. And, like, nothing ever gets accomplished. And so I'm, like, so finally, I'm, like, I, guys, we, we can't do this. Like, we're going around in circles. And, like, this should be, like, an hour, hour and a half. We're out of here, right? And it just goes on and on and on. But the point was, something came up in the meeting. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, let's sit back and think about this for a minute, right? And then, like, every kid, in the, every kid in that meeting, all the young officers just looked at me. And they go, you know, when you were chief, you know, you would have said this and we would have just plowed right through it. And I'm like, yeah, but I was 27. I don't have the experiences that I have now. I, a little bit more, I mean, not that I'm mature, but a little more maturity as you get older, right? So... Where I'm going with this when we talk about volunteer officer positions and so on, even on the career side, like just people skills. Like when you get more maturity in life and you have more experiences, it shapes and crafts the type of fireman you become and the type of officer you are. And, uh, and I kind of just wanted to hit on that. Maybe you guys could just chime in a little bit about your personal, not personal experiences, but just what you know of as like as you get older. I mean, are you a different officer today than you were when you first started? Do you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Tommy, you? Definitely. And it just, I think it comes down to just the maturity and, and time, right? The percolation, if you will, of like over time, mm -hmm. you've just gotten a little more under your belt and people skills. 
and so on. Um, Sid, I have to think for you, 22, man, you're in a tough spot. I think you are. Like, and I, not that you, yeah. and I don't mean no, that derogatory at all. No, no, what no, I'm no, saying I is, I agree. I think being a 22-year-old officer is very difficult. I think you, I think you can be, right? I, I did it. Like, I, and I remember, like, you know, I remember making decisions and there's guys that are, you know, 20 years your senior looking at you like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you want to, do you mind talking about yeah, that a yeah. little bit? No, Just I some... mean, um, I, uh, I, I remember when, um, when there first started to be rumblings that, uh, they were going to ask me to do it. I had hit up, uh, Bobby Eckert because mm-hmm. I heard him on, on here. Right. Um, and I, I hit him up and we talked about it a bit and he was like, look, you're going to find that going to fires is not the difficult part of officership because going into it, you know, my mind was like, oh, well, you know, where am I going to have him stand and where am I going to try and send this guy and, you know, this and that and the other thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's true that I'm, I'm facing a lot more, uh, I'm facing a lot more challenging things when it comes to, you know, like, like you said, like, how do you communicate with you know, your senior officership, you know, when they disagree with what you're doing, how do you, you know, plan, just plan the senior that. guy. doesn't even have to be a senior officer. Right. Just how do you address the senior guy? Right. Um, you know, how do I, how, how do I address guys that are, you know, that are not officers that are griping to me about things that other people are doing. And, you know, now, now I have to deal with that, you know, Two weeks ago, you know, we could sit around and, you know, bitch and complain about this person and the way they ran that scene and this and that. And now in the back of my head, I'm thinking, you know, I'm really not supposed to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be talking down to people that are not, you know, because this, this is just the way that I was told is like, you know, the, the captain is not supposed to go gripe to a backstep guy about what's happening higher up the line. And so, I don't know, I find that, yeah, the, the challenge is especially at this age, much more that, you know, how do you, how do you talk to guys in their forties that have been doing it forever and go like, Hey, listen, you know, I, I, I get that it comes from somewhere and I have the utmost respect for it, but like the guys below me are saying, and like you are saying, like, you know, you, you haven't, you haven't proved it in a long time. I've been here, you know, not nearly as long as, you know, the, the, you know, the fly on your ass, but I haven't seen you throw a ladder. I haven't seen you stretch lines. You're telling me, you know, oh, don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. I'm hearing other things from outside. And so it's, it's a lot to, um, you know, it's, it's a lot to stay Juggle. balanced. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you want to get the senior guys to drill. Right. Right. Keep going. Well, how do, I mean, how do, how do I get, how do I get anybody to drill? You know, um, we, you know, I think leading by example, you know, as simple as packing the hose on the back of the engine after a fall. Right. Everybody should be in a line. I don't care if there's 100 guys. Everybody touches the piece of hose. And you guys, Joe, you guys are doing it well, man. I just saw a picture the other day from a job from you guys. And you guys, I mean, those are those traditional New York City pictures, right? Where they're, where they're racking hose and they have 47 guys in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it's just, it's, it's simple things like that. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and I'm glad that, I'm glad Wait that. in the kitchen. You know, everybody should be in there. Mm-hmm. Meals over, you know, before you go home, you got to go home early because your wife or your kids are sick. Do something. Take a garbage. Take out. a garbage can. Yeah. Right. right. You know, like I get that you can't be there to the end of the night because sometimes our nights go pretty late. Yeah. But but everybody should be should be chipping in. I think I think part of that though too is like I I love 
I love getting the, the, the pushback sometimes when I'm like, hey, guys, jump in. Like, and then you get, oh, I've been, you know, 30 right. years. You know, let the young kids do right. it. And so, I'm like, let the other guys do it. Let the other guys go to the calls at night. And I'm like, what other guys? Right. Like, what, what other guys? Like, that's, that's one of my favorite conversations to have. We're it. We're it. I go, sorry, man. You know, I know when you were a 10-year guy in this firehouse 40 years ago, there was 25 guys after you that came in that would do the garbages and clean the kitchen and do all the menial tasks, right? And go to calls and so on. And now that you have 25, 30, 40 years in, I know you want to slow down. And I respect that. You put in your time. But, like, here's the deal. I'm a 24-year guy. I should be able to have that same mentality or starting to. But if I don't show up, that engine might not get out at night. Right. Right? And, and when you start getting that mentality of, like, let the other guys do it. I'm like, what other guys? Like, let's have this kind of, let's. Let's have a realistic conversation here for a minute. What other guys? I mean, the senior guys in some of these volunteer firehouses are doing more than the junior guys because they have to. And they're, they're, kind of, they're kind of tailored and dialed in to do that because they've been instilled the right values from day one. My father still gets up at 76 years old, gets up at 2 o'clock in the morning and goes to calls. He goes, and my department goes out over 600 times a year, strictly fire. We're not a very busy volunteer department. We're busy enough to keep us running. But my father and a couple other older guys are sometimes the only guys that are handling some of these calls. And then you go, what other guys? Like, yeah, should there be some younger guys out? Yeah, but they must have, you know, they had to sleep because they got to work tomorrow. Right. right. I mean, there's always that conversation too, which is a fun conversation to have with people. But, but, but they stay after 2 o'clock in the morning at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Go to bed a little bit earlier, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all of that. But I, I love that, you know, that mentality. And, and you guys are absolutely right. Like, everybody should be hands on deck. And when we start getting into the position of, you know, saying, like, let the new guy do it. Or, you know, if you're not leading, like, if, if a guy like myself takes the garbage out and then I'm like, hey, Joe, give me a hand. Like, that's huge. Right? That's a yeah. huge way to instill the right value into that kid so that down the road, before I even have to ask him to give me a hand, he's already like, hey, Jay, I got the garbage. no worry. You know? I think that's part of that leadership and that communication, Joe, that you hit on. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of the detriment in our own firehouses and companies these days is directly a direct result of a lack or no communication. I think a lot of it has to do with that. Right, and then and then having that disconnect between young and old because there's a lack of communication and understanding between the two, and if you lack those guys that have that glue, that can hold, you know, I could talk to the ninety year old guy in the corner that still has voting rights in the volunteer house, right? And you're like, come on, like, hey Jack, I need your help on this, like, you know, the the you know, and you you can kind of do that, and then you talk to the younger kid, and you can, there's it takes a special type of, I don't know, personality. And I think we're starting to lack personalities. I think that's something else, right? So, where are we going to go? We got, we got a little bit of time left. I mean, we've been crapping all over it. Let's kind of talk about some personal, like, some good stuff, right? Like, so, I mean, I know for me how fulfilling it is for me and my family and how good the volunteer fire service is. There's going to be a lot of naysayers out there, you know, volunteers suck, got to go pay. Like, I get all that. I don't care. It's white noise to me. Um, and so on. And we get a lot of pushback sometimes on our own channel. I don't care. Like when we talk about the job on National Fire Radio, we talk about 
being a fireman. I don't care career volunteer. If you don't like that, feel free to unsubscribe or don't follow us. But that's what we talk about, right? So it's a love for the job. I think, um, you know, what the positives that come out of it, right? I mean, I get excited when I see the newer generation step up. I get excited when those uh, 22-year-old kids want to be an officer, but then they do the job. That's exciting for me, you know? I mean, what... What I mean, there's there's got to be some stuff here that like it's not just crap. I mean, you got you're 22, man. You got a long go ahead of you, right? Yeah. And we were talking about it. Like you want to get hired. I mean, you're you're hoping to go in that direction, and you know a lot of our guys do. Joe hit on it before, and I'm proud to say in in my hometown, uh, we put out guys every year now. We're putting guys out into career departments. We're gonna we have three more going out this in the next like 60 days, and I mean I I can't even tell you how many career guys like, we put out a ton of career guys, you know? And so that, to me, I think is a feather in our cap just for the culture, right? You're a 22-year-old kid. You're impressionable. I mean, you're very well-spoken, Sid. And I, no, but I mean this because I think you're, I think you, and that's why I was excited to have you here today, is you and I have had conversations before. I only met once or twice. But I think just hearing the way you talk and how articulate you are about the fire service and so on through our conversations is great because I think more younger officers need to maybe sit back and listen to you a little bit more about just your experiences and how well you speak because a lot of guys don't and can't convey their message and you can and I think that's great and it's a huge plus to who you are and, and I think you're going to go very far. I think what's, what's exciting for me is guys like you. And guys, I mean, these guys do, of course, but we grew up in this, right? I mean, like we see each other on the fire ground and, you know, we, give, you know, we shake hands, give a hug or whatever and we, we bullshit for a few minutes, but... You know, it's exciting to see these younger guys. I mean, I know you guys have a, and Joe's department has a very strong truck culture. Their truck goes all over. They have a very strong, disciplined truck culture in their department. And so to see their younger guys understand that hustle is so cool. So like, awesome. I, I love, right, Tommy? Like, it's cool to see it. You, Joe, you guys are doing some really good things there and instilling that type of culture into your guys that when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work and there's no, there's no nonsense, you know? Tommy's department's a big department, and you know you guys got a lot going on. You have tons of different disciplines: heavy, heavy rescue, hazmat, water. I mean, these guys do all the disciplines. So, like, they're always hustling too, man. And they they run. I mean, they got they do a lot of calls. But you know, it's just those are the exciting things for me to see the the next generation. I think I hate the millennial talk. I hate all that. I think it just comes down to. You know, and I've talked about it before on this platform where we talk about, like, the next generation's always shittier than the generation that's there, right? Think we allow that. What? We allow that. We empower that. You're right. But it's been happening since, like, World oh. War II, right? Like, the greatest generation. And then every generation after them is just sucky and yeah. shittier and shittier and shittier, right? But, like, I still think there's so much good, and I think we... I think it's easier. I think it's a cop-out. I think... Now that we start putting titles to things and we're calling them millennials, like what I don't know what I was like. What was what was our age group? Right. I mean, I don't think we had a. I don't think we had a term. Like, or it wasn't a cool term. I don't know. True. <laughs> True. But we didn't wear tight pants and everything. Well, right. That's all that story. <laughs> so, but my my point is this, right? Like, I think <clears throat> I think the fire service likes to find terms or strategies and stick to them and throw it to the wall like it's good for everything. And I think, you know, when it comes to, like, millennials and the new generation of firemen and how they're just not as good, I call bullshit. I throw the flag. I mean, that's, I call bullshit. I think, I think it's a cop-out. I think it goes back to 
managing, leading, teaching. I see the kids today are just as excited and willing to absorb what they learn. But I also know that because everything's instant today, they need answers. Whereas like you and I and Tommy, like the three of us, like we didn't always get answers. We were just told, that's the way it is. You'll see why, or you'll figure it out. And now it's, you know, 22 year old guys are more like, well, why? And there's some animosity from the senior guys that are like, just shut, just shut up. Like, don't ask me why. But if the senior guy had a good explanation of why, and he explained it, you move on. Right. A lot of times, nobody's got the explanation of exactly why. So it's just easier to say it and then run away from it. Right? Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I mean, oh, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, we didn't have Google when, right. we, when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have YouTube. Um, you know, it was Atari and... Uh, yeah. I, they said now, like, bar conversations, bar betting is terrible now. Because you go out and a bunch of guys are drinking beers and you start talking about, like, the 88 World Series and trivia question comes up and you're like, no, it was so-and-so, no, it was so-and-so. Yeah, you know what? Hey, Siri. Who won the 1988 World Series? The Dodgers won the World Series 4-1 to one over the Athletics. Guess what? They won- Game over. Right? Yeah. Game over. My daughter's doing homework. And I'm like, how do I do this math problem? She's like, you know, sixth grade math. Sixth grade math. I'm not, listen, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm not dumb. Sixth grade math. And I go, holy crap. And what do I do? I go to YouTube. I get the answer. I could sit there for 10 minutes and try to figure it out. You're lucky your wife's like an accountant, so you're, you're good, Joe. But me, not so much, right? And I sit there and I go, man, I'm like, I... I did the same thing last week. I'm second-guessing myself. Yep. Like, looking at it, am I an idiot? Yep. I I get it. And it's just, it's incredible. I look, my, my 11-year-old, Lily, is the smartest freaking kid that I know, and she makes me look like an idiot. Like, when it comes to, like, science and animals and things like that, that's her thing. Yeah. But she watches and studies YouTube and Google. And, like, to have that at their fingertips now is incredible. But... That is why now I have to explain everything to my kids. Where when I was growing up, it was just the way it was. That's right. And now it's like, you know, hey, Lily, you, you need to do this. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because I want you to. Yeah, but why? Like, I, can I do it? Like, I'm like, no. Like, just, damn it. <laughs> you know, I get, so, I get so annoyed. I'm like, man, why, why can't we just go back to like when I didn't have to explain everything? But the same thing translates to the firehouse, right? Well, they're all asking why. Yeah. And you better be able to provide an answer. Well, and that's that's it, right? So now we have to step up our game. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to look in that mirror and say, shit, these kids are pressing us to know more than to know what we think we know. Right? Like, you have your whole SOGs, Right. right? And you thumb through them as a department, and Joe, you've been out for 24 years, 25 years. You know I'm pretty good inside and out. You're an assistant chief. You're supposed to, right? Me too. You too. And then a young kid asks you a question about him, and you're like, yep, yep. And you look at him, and you're like, nope, nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, the, it's that, to me, it's like, that means that we have an obligation to step up our game. 
And then that comes back to the whole conversation of how do we do that, how, you know, and so on. And so when you look at some of those SOGs, and even some of the practices that are within the firehouse, they were started years ago. Have we ever gone back and looked at it and said, you know what, is this really, is this, is this work today? You know, why are we doing X, Y, and Z when it's A, B, and C? Right. Like, and the young kids challenge us on that, and, and they should continue to challenge us on that. Because maybe what we're doing isn't necessarily the right thing. I love that, Joe. I think that's. I think you just put it very well summed up. That we got to be on our game. You know, if we're going to lead the next generation and we're going to complain about the next generation, then we got to have our game squared away. And I think that's what some of the threat is. I think that's where some of the disconnect comes because maybe guys are shying away from telling those stories. Or sharing their experiences because the next generation is a little bit smarter, maybe, and going, well, why? And then you have a hard time conveying your message or explaining why. And I think that's that's something to take away from this. And I think, um, you know, Sam, I keep coming back to you because you're one of the young guys in the room. But, I mean, is that does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think that, uh, I think that before the ease of having the exact answer at your fingertip there was a lot of stake that was put into credibility that was put into time in that you you just trusted people's answers because hey you know he's he's been here you know 20 25 years must know what's going on and uh and now you know guys are used to being able to see everything in context and see the bigger picture and personally i feel like maybe maybe the older guys are worried about being ha- having to admit that there isn't a great explanation or there isn't a reason why or it was wrong it is wrong now or it's right or you know it's just one one method and you know uh the kid that i was talking about earlier who's, who's super green you know i i caught a lot of flack because i'm you know we, we have we had this whole slew of vacants that the um the borough was tearing down so i'm taking him out hey you know here's Here's a parapet wall. Let's you know force door and go look inside this one. And and it's not because he's anywhere near being you know the 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 force team coming off the truck. But if I don't explain to him in the bigger picture, if I'm not willing to you know him be like, hey, what's this? And we go, I, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Let's find out. You know, it it I, I can't I can't just go well because I'm the captain and that's why. You know, it's same same with parents. You know, when I when I was growing up, you know, it was. Because I'm your father and I told you so. That's why. Yeah. You, you don't you don't need another reason, right. you know. Right. You have a roof over your head and you should be glad that, you know, you should be glad of that. But now I feel like, you know, e- even myself, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I want it all. Um, you know, I want to I wanna be the best. I want to work with the best. I want to, you know, like, like a, a moth to flame. And I think that there's a lot of other people like that. And I think people are worried that, you know... Uh, that, that they won't be able to explain it. Um, and I don't think it should matter because I don't think that you should have an issue even as, as a boss saying, you know, actually, I don't know why. Actually, you know, we, we, we had a fire like two weeks ago on Friday and it was myself and another for a search of a one side of duplex and uh, did the first floor and uh, then went to the basement before the second. And afterwards, you know, I... I we were out to dinner later and I grabbed the, the guy I was with and I said, you know what, that, that I should have thought to do the second floor before the basement, you know, next time we'll do it that way. But now he gets where I'm coming from and I get where he's coming from. And 
I, I don't know. I feel like maybe people with 25 years kind of don't feel so comfortable not knowing everything, not having every answer. And so animosity develops when people start asking why, because, you know, they, they don't want to address the fact that, you know, maybe there isn't a great reason or maybe it does need to be addressed again. So I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, um, I, I feel like it is much more a culture now of like, well, you know, and any, anybody can tell you war stories. Anybody can show you a picture. Anybody can say that they were there, but people nowadays, you know, they, they want to go out and do it and see it and ask you and, you know, and, and, and I, even at times, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to keep up because, you know, the, the guy behind me, it's like in, in six weeks, he knows everything now that it took me my first year to figure out. Yeah. And, you know, how, how am I going to explain to him that like, you know, oh yeah, you know, well, well, why, why is this like this? Well, I don't really know, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that now we address something that we should be addressing. We should know why. We should ask ourselves, you know, is there a better way to do these things? But I think, I think too, we have to be careful. Always giving answers gives people a false sense that they know. So that if you ask why, and the officer or a senior man or a chief or whatever, in life, just in life, somebody tells you, we have to be careful that the younger kid that gets the answer still doesn't know. We tell them why, but until you experience the why, there's that disconnect, right? Do you follow? Like maybe I'm not explaining it correctly, but I feel like I'm a little disconnected of how I'm explaining it, but it's still very much in the fire service. We give people a lot of answers. You know, now guys can go on YouTube and they can Google whatever they want and they can get answers. But are they the right answers? Are they the answers that might get them in trouble? Right? Like, our, our industry is based on taking risk. Right? It's a, it's a calculated risk assumption of every time we go out the door, we balance risk versus reward. Right? And so, it's easy, black and white, to give Sid an answer. Hey, Sid, you go to the second floor on your search because that's where the living quarters are. However... If that's what's taught, but then you realize going in after you force entry that it's a squatter's house, the staircase is shot, you might have to get to the basement because there's a probability they might be below, you know, the floor below and not the floor above because the stairs are gone or something. Like, when we give clear and precise answers and you don't have any street smarts or know-how or experience or knowledge to back up the answer that you were given, that's where I think we can have some disconnect. I think we can get into trouble that way, too. Maybe that's why... Sometimes when we don't have to give an answer right away, you follow me? Like, is, does well, that make sense? That's what some of the some of the younger they they want answers. Everything's cut and dry clear right. to them. Yes. Unfortunately, the fire service is not cut and dry. Exactly. There's never a fire the same. Never an accident the same. Right. You need to adapt and overcome. You need a plan B. Because plan A may not work. Correct. And if you don't have a plan B, and plan A fails, now what happens? People die. You know, like, you always got to be thinking forward. I agree, and I, I think that's where I was kind of just leaning with that, is that, you know, just having the answer doesn't mean that you're going to be able to do that job and make the right decision. Right, because it may not be the right answer for that job. Exactly. Even though it worked yesterday, something could be different. Right. And I, I, I think that's a very good point, Joe. I really do. I mean, I, you know, some of this, you know, NIST studies and these science things, I think it's all great stuff that's coming out. 
I think we need to apply it to what's applicable for our job and our area and, and everything else. Right. You know, is it for every fire? Absolutely not. But is there some valid information that's coming out? And, and we just need to apply it instead of motherfucking it? Mm-hmm. I, I think is, is, is a valid, you know... You and I had a great... I don't mean nuts when, when people trash the... You know, like there's, there's a lot of money and a lot of time going into some of these studies. Right. You know, I don't want to hit it from the yard. I want to go inside and put the fire out. But I think there's some things that we should be taken away from and learning from them. You know, these studies weren't available when we were growing up. You and I had a conversation the other night. We were talking about the whole clean cab concept and so on. And I'm not here to debate it. It's not what the point of this is. But Joe and one of the, one of his buddies, they went down to uh, a quick couple-day seminar on just the, the carcinogens and cancer awareness and turnout here and all that stuff. And some of the stuff that Joe came back with, and we were just talking in a 10-minute sidebar conversation the other night, really got me thinking, right? Right. Like, and I, I sat there and I go, man, as much as, like, you know, clean, cra- clean cabs don't make grabs and all that shit, right? You start thinking and talking about the different things. And, like, I'll leave you with this. The, the thing that stuck with me on this was when we are talking about exhaust systems in a firehouse. And when you're getting dressed in the volunteer firehouse and that rig's running, that exhaust is up your balls. Yeah. Right at ball level. How many testicular cancer jobs are coming out of these firehouses? Yeah. And is it related to the exhaust blowing out in your balls every time you're getting dressed? Think about that. Right. Like, I never even, like, it's not even a thought, right? It's just exhaust. Like, you know, we're worried about the CO in the building. We're not worried about actually, right. you know, the, the unclean burn and the particulates that could potentially absorb through your clothes and get... And so on. So Joe, like, he blew my mind with a couple other things he told me, too, just on it. And I'm, I'm still not, like, sold on the whole clean cab concept. But there is something there. It's got to be, you've got to have open conversation and open mind. Because as science develops, like, now more than ever, our society is so progressive. You know, just look at technology in the last 10 years. Like, never before. The cotton gin was the biggest invention for 40 years. Right? And now it's like... You know, you look at technology now and where we're headed and how things change so fast, you know. So, you know, it's just progressing so fast. So the fire service has to progress with it. We can't turn a blind eye to that stuff. You're absolutely right. And I think as young officers, I think they need to continue to educate themselves. You know, I I think you see a lot of young officers, they go through Fire One. They're given almost every class they need to be an officer all the way up through battalion. Right. They don't have to go back. We have to go back because we weren't given that in Fire One. Right. But do they continue their education? Do they go to FDIC? Do they go to Fire Expo? Do they go to Bolt? You know, like, are they going to these classes? Yeah. And there's so many. I know the department's empowering. They shouldn't be intimidated that they that they may change from the norm of where their department's going. I think they need to be empowered by by the you know the senior guys and, and their departments. And if it's funding, you know, there's grants out there to get you know to get classes. And and if you can't make it to FDIC, almost every lecture is out on YouTube. Right. Within like 60 days after. Right. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there. But I think the networking that comes out of the out of the trade shows yeah, hit on that. That's, is, is, that, is yeah. amazing. You know, the, the, the networking coming out of your group here. You know, getting to meet people. You mentioned that you, you had a guy that was on Jeremy's show a couple weeks ago. And then you called him up for a question. We're all struggling with the same issues. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same circus, different clowns. Right. And it's all, I mean, I, when we were out in, in North Carolina at the Firo, I mean, we were talking to guys from Sioux Falls and, and Canada, and we're all complaining about the same thing. <laughs> we're all, we're all, yeah. we all have the same struggles. Yeah. You know, we all have a common bond. We're here. We're here for a reason. We have a common bond, and we're all on the same page. But, the, you know, 
I agree. I, and, and, I, and I like to think that and what we're... What happened to the conversation, I think, is the beginning of trying that's to it. fix it. Yeah. That's it. I think, and that's why I wanted to do this roundtable, and I think this is a great way to just wrap this up, is that's why I wanted to get this roundtable together, and I want to do more of these Sunday morning roundtables here in our studio, because what we just talked about for the last hour and 17 minutes, right? Joe wants me to keep it short, so I've got to wrap this up, but... but what we, what we did in the last hour and 17 minutes is very much that. We opened conversation that I, you know, we didn't solve anything here. But I think putting it out there in National Fire Radio, having a following and a platform that we can put content out. To me, I take home every day, I take that home, and I'm proud of what we're putting out because we're facilitating conversations. And we're not giving answers, but we're letting guys know. Like, I didn't know Sid before we started doing National Fire Radio, and now I've made a good friend. And... We have the ability to know what's happening in Homestead, PA. And I talk to kids all over the country. And I say kids. I'm talking to guys on the job, too. 20 years, 25 years. Major cities to the smallest towns. I don't know if we're making an impact. But what I, what I do know is that we're opening conversation and having people talk. And being able to do that on our platform, I'm very proud of that. And so these Sunday morning roundtables, I think, are great. Because we hit on a bunch of topics today that nothing got solved. But the fact is, some kid in Iowa or a guy on the job in Seattle or wherever has the ability to understand that they're not going through it alone, that this is right. a fire service-wide issue. And so, you know, maybe collectively opening up the conversation at least might facilitate a little bit of change here or there and maybe try to build this thing to keep the fire service going in the right direction. And so with that, guys, I thank you so much for joining me tonight or tonight. Tonight, usually we film at night. This morning, drinking coffee, not beer. But um, I thank you. I mean, Joe Vanderplatt from the Whitehall Fire Department in New Jersey, Tommy Loretto out of uh, Mawa, and Sid, thank you, brother, from yeah. Homestead, PA. Oh, pleasure. Man. This has been uh, fantastic. We're going to be getting out by Homestead. You guys should join us for that trip. That'll be good. Uh, we're going to come out and check out the department and see what you guys are doing out there. We've been talking about doing that for a while. Yeah. So we're excited to do that. Um, and um, to our followers and listeners, and thank you. Um, I can't thank everyone enough for the support and the the ability to give us the ability to give you content um, based on the fire service and what we think um, needs to be said and heard. So with that, thank you. Sunday Morning Roundtable from National Fire Radio Studios. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, be sure to listen, like, share, and uh, promote. It helps us in the, uh, the view and the feed. And um, give us a uh, review, whether it's a one-star, we're terrible, or a five-star, we're great. I'd appreciate anything, any feedback. So, guys, thank you. From Jeremy from the studio, thanks. Have a good day.